Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson, and I'm not wearing a hat. <laughs> no, we were talking not. about hats before we started, and Julia Monin doesn't have a hat either. I don't have a hat on. I said I'd wear one. You did. On this show sometime for fun. Maybe, maybe one that would not allow the heat to leak out of the top of your head. <laughs> Right. Well, this is the question for viewers. If Father Sean and I were going to wear a hat on this episode, or just for fun, what kind of hat would you want us to wear? You know what hat you should wear? I do. What? It was just whispered. Ah, sombrero. Because today's today's the Feast of St. Juan Diego. It is. A sombrero would be fitting for that reason. It would be. for Yeah. yeah. So that's a suggestion, is whatever day we're recording, what feast is it? Mm -hmm. Wear an appropriate hat. Yeah. Feast. Oh man, Christ the King! You just wear the biggest old. We go to Burger King and get some crowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be. This could be lots of fun. It really could. I was actually thinking you should wear something like educate us. So like wear a Beretta <laughs> and like actually use it as a teaching opportunity. Ah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but that's not exactly a Burger in my King crown <laughs> seems more appropriate to <laughs> to the both of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wear an official liturgical hat or something that they give away free with a Happy Meal. <laughs> I don't think they're called Happy Meals at Burger King. What are they called? I don't know. Little Prince Meals? <laughs> I Not honestly don't know what they're called. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, well, while we're on hat trivia, what is the name of the red hat that a bishop would wear? Uh... Which one? Like the skull cap? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a zucchetto. A zucchetto. That's mm-hmm. a sweet word, too. So priests, I think, can wear a black zucchetto. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the Pope wears a white one. Cardinals uh-huh. wear one that's cardinal red. Uh-huh. And bishops right. wear purple one. Shout out to last week's. Shout out to last week's. <laughs> Cardos. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there's the Berettas, and those are the, like the black hats with like the... Yeah, they got the palm on them. Yeah. They're very French. Yes, they're nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the Somebody one time asked me, Father, if I got you a Beretta, would you wear it? Mm-hmm. And I didn't think, no. <laughs> <laughs> just knee-jerk reaction, which was the truth. It's just just not, yeah. I like them. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, happy it, for you. Like, <laughs> did you hear that? He said he's happy for me. When, when actually is it appropriate to wear that? <clears throat> Like out or is it sort of a purpose like you're outside or no? I, I think they're, they're really liturgical. Okay. Like they're supposed to be, you know, when you're celebrating the sacred liturgy. So gotcha. there's parts. So there's parts in mass when like you would take off your, like in the old rite, the extraordinary mm-hmm. form of the mass, you would take off your Beretta, put on your Beretta. Gotcha. Like all those had specific, gotcha. specific things. Beretta. So Zucchetto. Mm-hmm. Sweet words. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, what's the, uh, there's a big one. Uh, shoot, it, I can't think of it, but it's like, it's one to keep the sun out of your face. So yeah, it's like oh. a, it's like, it's kind of like a sombrero, but it's, it's more subtle, I guess. So all black. So should I just like Google priestly sombrero and see what comes up? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> it's something along like that with that same like root priestly sun and shield. somebody's, I'm sure if there's <clears throat> somebody who knows <clears throat> knows this they're shouting it right now oh, yeah, into like, the they're, speakers they're in so their car they're they're like, so how do you not know this I'm with you. yeah yeah they're trying to call in right right <laughs> what's the number to call in yeah it's not live it's, yeah it's not live uh, <laughs> so huh. what is that hat called anyways anyway okay yeah we'll leave you in suspense perhaps we'll know next week
Yeah. Or perhaps we'll forget <laughs> that we had this conversation. That's likely. <clears throat> it's likely. Huh. Okay. Well, we should pray. Sure. Let's, let's After all this. that hat talk. <laughs> yeah. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you do in our lives. We thank you especially for the great witness of the saints and the ways that you give us that draw us closer to yourself. We thank you for the gift of the Eucharist and the gift of marriage. And we ask that you may pray for all married, that you may look after all married couples, especially those in difficult marriages, those struggling or those going through um, challenging times. We ask that you may always keep, keep them all united in the Holy Family. We ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So yeah, talking about marriage and the Eucharist is where mm. we landed. I'm ex- I got, you remember I was really excited when you yeah, came Yeah, 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 you were uh, giddy. I, I was. Mm-hmm. Just something about nuptial language mm. I really enjoy talking about. So then marriage and the Eucharist, and I got really excited. And then this, this reading that you gave me to prep with today, this was great. Yeah. I mean, you'd think I'd known this. I have been married for several years. But, you know, always learning. <laughs> always learning. Well, that's the truth, right? That's that's the way it should be. I heard a quote from Francis de St. Francis de Sales once that said, um, marriage marriage is the only vocation where you enter the novitiate after you take your vows. Mm. And there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some truth to that. You don't yeah. know going into marriage everything there is to know about right. your vocation. But anyway... We can do better at what we do know. That's <laughs> what I guess I'm saying. In my yeah. It is more than just throwing a fancy party for your friends and wearing a nice dress for a day. It is. That yes. is a wedding day. We're right. talking about a marriage. You got which, it. Which, you know, till <clears throat> death do you part. Right. So. Right. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking about too. I got to add to my to-do list. Return your Christmas gift. I had bought you a Beretta, so now I got to take that back. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't buy you I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> I don't know what to respond, though. Thanks for thinking of me. And yes, take it back. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> anyway, get we, us going here. Yeah, so we uh, just got a little a little something just to, to get us thinking. It's a section from the book, The Mystery of Marriage by Dr. Perry J. Cahal. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. He actually teaches at the seminary in Columbus. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Um, it has a real big book. I got this thinking, oh, that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. This is the first part I've read. Okay. It did not disappoint. No, it's So good. it makes me think I should probably read this whole thing. But, <laughs> right. you know, we'll get there when we get there. Right, as the Lord wills. So he, he first in the section we read, talks about how the, the, just the importance <clears throat> of the sacrament of marriage. Yeah. How it's the sacrament that all the other sacraments sort of flow from in a way, yeah? right. Well, because it's it, marriage is the the image of God for His people, right? Mm-hmm. Like so constantly, like God compares His love for His people to to a marriage, and so like marriage is an image of God's relationship with His people, and like it, I I don't know of a better image of the Old Testament in the Old Testament of this than from the book of the prophet Hosea. Mm-hmm. So Hosea is instructed to go marry Gomer, who's a prostitute, mm-hmm. who basically just you know um, you know you're married to her, but she's She's uh, she's with other people, mm-hmm. right? And basically, God's instruction to Hosea to the prophet it says, "Okay, good. Now you know how it feels." Uh-huh. As the Israelites go around and they go to foreign gods and they they abandon the one that they're supposed to love. It's like, oof, sure. yeah. How about mm-hmm. that for a knife wrencher? 
So, but, mm. but the gist of it is like marriage is this great image <clears throat> of God's love for his people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as all the sacraments are too, mm-hmm. right? Marriage gives this shape. It's a, it's a human, uh, you know, the, the, the couple becomes an image of Christ's love for the church too, right? Like mm-hmm. we hear that Christ loves his bride, the church. So mm-hmm. this image of a marriage is, is the image of God's relationship with his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to think too, I think it also is helpful to remind ourselves of the, the way that God chose from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve to, um, to enter into a relationship with us through the covenants, mm-hmm. right? This is really important that from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, yeah. God has given us covenants, right? So this exchange of of himself with us, who he loves so much. And so from Adam, when we have this first covenant with Adam and Eve, and from the side of Adam, of course, we know the story so well, Eve is born, mm-hmm. right, in this covenant. And of course, as you mentioned, the, this marriage from, from the beginning, man and woman, and we are made in God's image and likeness, and, and this is supposed to reveal his love. And that goes back to what we talked about about in like the episodes on beauty, right? Mm-hmm. These things are supposed to help us understand who God is, who's way beyond our ways to understand, but marriage is meant to do that, right? To mm-hmm. show us our who God is and and why he created us and how much he loves us. And anyway, so from Adam from the side of Adam, we have Eve, right? The bride is born from the side of Adam. And this should sound familiar when we think about Christ ah. <laughs> and what happened on the cross. Thank you for playing yeah. dumb with me. That's nice I, of you. Most of the time I don't have to play. <laughs> you made it to promise. But it should sound familiar. You see Christ on the cross. And of course, from his pierced side is born mm-hmm. his bride, the church. The church. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that that forms the new covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we, you just we started with Adam, but there's all these covenants. Sure. You know, the covenant he makes with Noah and yep. Noah's family, with Abraham and his tribe, with David and the whole kingdom, all the way up to mm-hmm. Christ and all of humanity. Right. So, so yeah, so this covenant that uh, two parties enter into, you know, whether it's God and His people, or whether it's a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this mutual, total giving of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and so you think about <clears throat> the beginning of Adam and Eve. Marriage is meant to, again, like we talked about, show us God's love for us. Of course, it becomes disordered, right? It mm-hmm. becomes disordered. And you mentioned the, that's a powerful example in the Old Testament, how God was proving that. This is what it's like. Like, I'm supposed to be your only God, and I'm not, obviously. Mm-hmm. And this happens in, in marriage as well. It becomes disordered, and, and it doesn't become the image that it's meant to be of God's sure. love for us. And so, again, enter Christ into this mm-hmm. picture to to reorder what had become disordered and um, and to redeem us, yeah. right? Um, but to think about even that imagery, thinking of Adam and his bride Eve being born from his, from his side, and Christ and his bride, the church, being born from his side, and again, the Eucharist and where we feed on in the source and summit mm-hmm. of our faith, you should already be making this connection. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you know, just to, to just to, this is like a half-baked musing okay. about, you know, if, if marriage is supposed to image God's love for his people. Sorry, right? that's the name of your book right there. Half-baked musings? Half-baked musings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> The nice thing is I can just kind of move, you know, just kind of go from place to place because exactly. people are expecting them to be half-baked. Exactly. Um, I'm yeah. so sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, where was I? I have no idea. That's why I said I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. So so if if marriage is supposed to image God's love for his people, mm-hmm. right, that I think there's a similar probably path in our in our own day and age that we see two things growing 
um, the commonplace of divorce and also the commonality of lack of faith and people falling away. Because just as, as, and I don't know, maybe they're mutually, they kind of mutually, whatever, tear each other apart. Mm -hmm. But as people, if God's love is supposed to be imaged by a married couple and their fidelity and their faithfulness amongst difficult times, and they don't see those human, those human beings living that well, that actually is like, if that, that's a bad image of God and that actually hurts our image of God. Um, and his own fidelity, and if they're supposed to be right, created in his image, and if we don't see the images of that on earth, then we we miss it in any in, in divine reality. And and then the also the opposite's also probably true that as as things um, as people don't believe in God, then it becomes well, what's the point of sticking it sticking it out as a as a married couple? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those are both negative things. I'm sure there's a there's a positive spin that you could put on both of those, but. Mm-hmm. That's my half-baked musing. That's, I think that's more than a half-baked musing, okay. and that's the reality. And I, we see that too in, um, you know, the breakdown of the family, and too, you know, looking at God as a father. It's why a lot of people who struggle or are raised in homes where there's not a, a strong father mm-hmm. figure who struggle with that in their relationship with God because I can't, I can't equate what a loving sure. father is when I this was the father I had in this life. So that's the the reality. Um, mm-hmm. And and the bar that the, that the Lord sets for us. And again, like you mentioned, if if marriage is not viewed as a sacrament, if it's just fun for the day, right? Yeah. Um, then yeah, what what is the point of going of 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 surviving and getting through and sacrif- and sacrificing yourself and and moving beyond those times and growing in mu- mutual love? Like what what would be the point of all that suffering mm-hmm. that goes into a marriage if that's all it is, right? right? We read in this over and over again some key words about Christ and what happened on the cross, and then also what is happening in the sacrament of marriage. I kept circling them every time, and they were really repetitive, but um, Christ's nuptial self-oblation. So flowing from Christ's nuptial self-oblation, so this giving of self. Again, a sacrifice of oblation we read later, pouring himself out in love. We see that again. Um, he talks about the the need to embrace sacrifice. These are not like, hey, marriage is just fun. It's going to be great the rest of your life, happily ever after. Yeah. Do do. Right. What else is there from that point on? Right. Mm-hmm. And and again, Christ sets the example that that isn't what marriage is. Think about what Christ suffered for him for, for his bride. for his bride exactly. Yeah. What he continues to suffer. Like he makes himself so vulnerable in the sacrament of of the Eucharist. I mean, we've talked about we had an episode on that. Think of what he does to sacrifice himself because he loves us ultimately, and he wants us to be um, to to feed on him and to consume him and to be in this relationship with him. But ultimately, that means all his walls are down, right. and he's willing to be stepped on or treated like the the prophet that you talked about early in, mm-hmm. er, in the episode. Um, so what is marriage meant to be? And we look at Christ as our example and and this, this idea of sacrifice. He mentioned in here, it's so beautiful, the measure of true love is the willingness to sacrifice for the beloved. That's what love is. Are you willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice for your beloved? Are you willing to put your own wants, your own desires, and perhaps even your own needs aside for the love of your spouse. And he he makes this point too, that spouses will only experience happiness in marriage to the degree that they are willing to undertake sacrificial giving for each other. Think about that. They will only experience happiness in marriage to the degree that they are willing to undertake sacrificial giving for each other. 
As the couple grows, they shift from asking, what more can my husband or my wife do for me to asking, what more can I do for my husband or my wife, which I still have not done. And I think once that shift happens, once you go from that person of, you know what, I got married and your job is to serve me the rest Mm -hmm. of my life, get me whatever I want, to the person is, wait a second, I'm here to serve you. What else can I do Mm -hmm. to serve you? the more your happiness will increase right. in your marriage. And you think about that, though, with the uh, even like the image of that in the Eucharist, right? Um, e- like we come to Mass sometimes when we think, well, what more can God do for me, right? Can mm. God make me feel good? What am I going to get out of Mass? Sure. And, and that's, the, that's the backwards, right? It's, it's actually, okay, uh, what, what more could I do for the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. What more could I actually do mm-hmm. for God? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where we, you know, of course he, he's nourishing us, but, but that's, that causes us to be grateful, not to say, well, what more could I get out of this? But mm-hmm. it's actually, okay, what, what can I do? Like, what could I do for the Eucharist? Mm-hmm. To think about that, like, that's not a question we often ask. Like, mm-hmm. we think, oh, I can't do anything, but heck, yeah, you can. You can bring people to keep him company there, right? Mm-hmm. And encourage people to, to know, love, and serve him. Mm-hmm. So to ask that same question, right? If marriage is going to be that that image of uh, of um, of our relationship in in the our our relationship with God concretized in the Eucharist. Well, what more can we do for for mm-hmm. Christ in the Eucharist instead of just simply taking, taking, taking? Mm-hmm. So, so what this reminds me of the Beatitudes and the mm. teaching Christ gives us in the Beatitudes, which seem like this paradox of life, right? right? He's he's saying, "Blessed are the poor, blessed mm-hmm. are the meek, blessed are those." who are persecuted, are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, uh-uh. right? That, that's that's appalling. That does not seem to go with, with who we are in nature. And we think about this. You're, you're telling me the more I sacrifice in my marriage, the happier my marriage will be? <laughs> that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? So it, it, it has that paradoxical feel to it. Um, and same thing with Mass, like in entering into the sacraments and this this reception. That's what a relationship is, right? Mm-hmm. It's being willing to give and to receive. It's not just a one-sided, well, I'm here, God, give me everything I want on my list today, or guess what? I'm not coming back right. next week. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it's meant to be so much more yeah. than that. Mm. Yeah. And even like, you know, um, one of the important things with, with a marriage is that there's there's vows that enter the covenant, right? There's this promise that the the two parties make, whether it's you know the Old Testament God and and the people making making promises, but in a marriage, the two people making this promise. I think like we that's that's why we're invited to to respond Amen in some ways, you know, and our our response, right? Like the, even whether it's the great Amen at Mass or the time it's personal and we're given we're entrusted with the body of Christ to think about that as as a marriage vow, mm-hmm. as if the body of Christ has been given to us and our response is just simply amen mm. i believe i accept i i receive this which in some ways is a really one-sided covenant right we don't stand up there and, and make that promise i guess we kind of do in the creed mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. yeah that there's this con it's concrete that it's not you know like the vows get mm-hmm. repeated over and over we get to renew those vows mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when we when we think about, can we talk about like a marriage and the consummation of the marriage and like what's happening and when, and the reception of the Holy Eucharist? Sure. So like we think about the reality of God creating man and woman and how man and woman in the sacrament of marriage come together and give themselves completely to one another. And this, this marriage is consummated in a very real way. It's a renewal of your vows each and every time that couple comes together in that way. Their words become flesh. 
right? Mm-hmm. Their words of their vows become mm-hmm. flesh in their bodies. And 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 how that is what what we're experiencing with mm-hmm. with Christ, our our bridegroom, when mm-hmm. we receive him and the Holy Eucharist, right. right? It's a, it's this renewal of our, our vows with him, our relationship with him, our covenant with him. Um, uh, this, yeah, we're becoming flesh right? Mm-hmm. And, and receiving him in that way. Right. And wow. you know, not to get like too graphic, sure. but so I guess skip the next couple of minutes if you've got children with you, but there is, there is even like in the image of the bodies, in, in that embrace, there is a great image of how how um, Christ enters into the church, right? So, so the the groom enters enters in enters mm-hmm. into the bride and gives life, and so mm-hmm. the bride is completely receptive mm-hmm. to the gift of life that's being given, and mm-hmm. and so there's a great image of how Christ does that with the church, right? So mm-hmm. Christ come gives life to the church, and the church has to be completely receptive mm-hmm. to the gift of life that's given from from the bridegroom, mm-hmm. and and that's where fruitfulness happens right in mm-hmm. this total receptivity but then this total generosity on the part of the bride of p- part of the bridegroom mm-hmm. that then um that gives life mm-hmm. and that so so the whole like marital embrace mm-hmm. is a great image for the way that christ mm-hmm. um gives life to the church mm-hmm. so and that was the point we we're making from the beginning and the right. point god was making from the beginning right. of time in creating man and woman and and again man and woman are absolutely different but both beautiful and not mm-hmm. one high, higher more exalted than the right. other but you can see the fullness of god in both man and woman and the giving aspect of man the receiving aspect of woman and again you know i, I don't know that it's super common too with everybody um and by the way i was one of these as well so don't feel bad if this is you but to even know that the church is referred to as christ's bride and mm-hmm. and and a mother and she and you hear that right that terminology that's not a I don't think that's something everybody realizes, but it really makes a difference when you think mm-hmm. of it that way. Um, right. And again, thinking about who Christ came to redeem us right. um, and enter into all of this. Mm. Yeah. And you see that, like, um, and that's why Mary, especially in the Second Vatican Council, was called an image of the church because she has this total receptivity to God. Yesterday we celebrated the Immaculate Conception. The Annunciation is the uh, is the the gospel, mm-hmm. and you hear Mary's receptivity. She says, "Let it be done to me according to Thy word," and mm-hmm. then and then the life of God becomes present mm-hmm. in her. And mm-hmm. uh, and so that's what the Eucharist is, right? Mm-hmm. The the Eucharist is God giving His life. To the church, so mm-hmm. that it may be fruitful. Mm-hmm. It's about God offering His life. The church receiving it with mm-hmm. freely, totally, not saying I only want part of you, God, but to say I want every aspect of you, mm-hmm. and then um, and allowing that to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah. I mean, married mm-hmm. couples. Did you know all this? <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's it always, it's very humbling to think about um, the reality of what what you're actually into in the yeah. sacrament of of marriage. And this this is you know people have probably heard John Paul II's theology sure. of the body, right. right? And this is this is basically the essence of it that mm-hmm. the the physical creation that God and the order God has created in creation mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. is actually. It can actually be read theologically to tell mm-hmm. us a whole lot about God and give us another, like a whole another book of revelation, not mm-hmm. not literally like another book of the Bible, right. but another way that God re- reveals His love to us through the way He He created the human person. Right, exactly. Which is right. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, if somebody's interested in in what would you recommend if somebody's interested in learning more about the theology of the body for someone who hasn't read any of that yet? Like where's a good starting point? Uh, there's a little book by Jason Everett entitled theology of the body in an hour. <laughs> that 
seems like that would just answer all that question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So. All right. That's a good place to start. There's also a book. I think it's out of print called Called to Love Mm. um, by Jose Granados. Mm. I think it's out of print though. Okay. I had to buy a used beat up copy, but it might have been reprinted. Anyways, not a huge deal. Okay. Start with the hour book. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, you know, and also he ends, and at this point, this this kind of seems like it should be common sense, but it's worth repeating in case it's not, um, to think about, okay, what what God created man and woman to the beginning, what marriage has been from the beginning. It, yes, it became disordered. Christ comes in. He This new and everlasting covenant is made through Christ on the cross, gives birth to his bride from his side on the on the cross. All the tie-ins we talked about with marriage and how it relates to to God and to the Holy Eucharist, he ends at least the section we ended on with the note that you know couples should be participating in the Holy Sacrifice mm-hmm. and have the Mass together, right? Yeah, we should be going to the source and summit of our faith, and we should be feeding on Christ, right? If we're really meant, as we talked about at the beginning, as married couples, we're meant to be this image of of Christ's love for His Church, right? What? That's a big thing. We're meant to be the image of Christ's love for his church in our marriages. And with all everything we fight against, with all the the, you know, our own imperfections, our vices, our sin, how are we going to be that image if we're not feeding on the man who came the, to save us? The prototype of that image, right? Mm-hmm. Christ's love for his church. Mm-hmm. Us. Right. And right. there's so many like I don't know, there's so many tie-ins to the mass and you know, maybe just like architecturally. Do, do you know what a baldacchino is? It's like, uh, it's like, so if you, you imagine inside St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, mm-hmm. there's the main altar there and over it is like this bronze canopy, okay. magnificent, magnificent structure. It's sure. got like four pillars that go up and it kind of looks like a canopy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually designed to look like, like a medieval mm-hmm. bed canopy mm-hmm. because it's, it's basically, it's an image of the marriage bed mm-hmm. where Christ, you know, where a husband and wife give their love to each other. This is where on this altar is where Christ mm-hmm. gives his love for the church, which mm-hmm. it's like, that's a dope imagery. And I wonder who the first person that put that up in a church and explained to the parishioners, this is why we're going to do this. Like, right. Hold on now. What? Wait a second. Yeah. But, but it's beautiful. Oh, and then you even, awesome. you think about, you know, like every time you hear those words of institution, right? Take this, all of you, this is my body given up mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what married couples should be saying to each other, right? Mm-hmm. This is my body. This is my life. This is my soul. This is my, this is my last name. This is my debt. This mm-hmm. is my energy given mm-hmm. up for you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think every time couples, you know, go to mass and you hear those words, you have to think of each other, mm-hmm. right? Like, and cause that's the, that's, that's the person that you're first and foremost called to give your life for mm-hmm. is, is your spouse. Right. And remember that the measure with which you are able to sacrifice is the measure with which your marriage will find true happiness. I remember reading recently or seeing a post or something recently about a married couple who, instead of, you know, at the reception, a commonplace, at least in this country, at the reception of a married couple, they do that, the garter toss and the, the bouquet toss. And instead of the husband um, doing this garter toss, which has its own imagery in it, he washed the bride's feet. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But this is this is the essence and the beauty of marriage, right? To sacrifice mm-hmm. for one another. And anyway. I've seen that at two I've seen that at two weddings. Yeah. In the first one, the groom, the groom had the mic beforehand. And he goes, 
you know, we're not doing the garter toss because that's just weird. Uh, <laughs> instead, you know, this is the image that, that Jesus gives us of, mm-hmm. of how a, how a, a groom loves his bride. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that instead. Mm-hmm. Like you get it, James. That's right. Drop that mic yeah. in. <laughs> that's it's, and it is beautiful to think about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, what really that, what really it's saying, what our yeah. marriages are saying about God in Christ. All right. Okay. There's a John Paul II quote yes. here that just, you know, just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is from um, uh, Famo- Familiaris Consortio, which was a document that came after they had a synod on marriage. All right. Mm-hmm. The Eucharist is the very source of Christian marriage. The Eucharistic sacrifice, in fact, represents Christ's covenant of love with the church, sealed with his blood on the cross. In this sacrifice of the new and eternal covenant, Christian spouses enter or encounter the source from which their own marriage covenant flows, is interiorly structured and continuously renewed. As a representation of Christ's sacrifice of love for the church, the Eucharist is the fountain of charity. Mm. I love that, that it's interiorly structured. So the Eucharist gives a structure to a wedding, mm. to a marriage, interiorly, mm. And continually renews it, mm-hmm. so it continue, and that and that's that's why the Eucharist is not like that's why the Eucharist is a sacrament and not First Communion, mm-hmm. because First Communion is just the first time, but it, it needs constant renewal, it needs constant nourishment, it constantly needs restructured, mm-hmm. you know, and and we we know that in our own lives, that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation that we just mm-hmm. don't receive once, but constantly, mm-hmm. and that's that's the that's the point in this story of salvation history that we we're in. Christ has won the victory. Christ has won the war over Satan. He's freed us from sin and death, but we constantly, it constantly needs to be renewed in our, in our own hearts and our lives and in the lives of those that, that we care for. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I have nothing, uh, wiser to say than what you just said mm. there. So, um, just, well, just quoting him, huh? Ah, yeah. Jesus seeks to live his life over again in a married couple, as a couple. This means that if married love is to be an effective sign of the love of the heavenly bridegroom for his bride, then this living sign will necessarily involve sacrifice. Okay, we can't take that out of the picture. We can't pretend that marriage is going to be easy, that that it's just going to be the happily ever after guy on the white horse swept or fixed all the problems, and from then on out, things were great. Like this... Like be images of Christ. I mean, that's a that's a big thing to really think about that. And we pray that in the archdiocese here in our vocations prayer. Every time we're praying that, mm-hmm. it should remind you of that. Like, married couples are meant to be the image of Christ to His church. That's yeah, yeah. That's a big that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even as you're as you're talking about like the suffering, the the struggle, the sacrifice that couples make for for each other, it's it's so counterintuitive, but that's where joy is found. Mm -hmm. You know, like this Sunday, we have Gaudete Sunday, and that's the great Sunday of rejoicing that the Lord's almost near. But the the joy that that you see authentic are like just beautiful married couples. It there is a real joy there. There's a real there's a real incredibly deep happiness, but it's not as the world gives. Mm -hmm. And and you can see that shows up in so many ways. Um, in so many people's lives who are so generous, so outpouring of their love that they don't think of themselves first and they're the happiest people in the world. You know, they're able to rejoice in the small things of a, mm-hmm. of a whatever, you know, a kid learning how to walk or, mm-hmm. and they're able to be there and, and find hope in the midst of death and suffering. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Um, so, you know, it's not all like, you know, pick up your cross and sacrifice oh, sure. for each other. Right. It is. Uh-huh. But the Lord's response to that mm-hmm. is this incredible, incredible joy mm-hmm. um, that the world could never, ever discover. Amen. So. Amen. All right. Shout out to all married couples. Shout out to all married couples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to mass together. Oh, yes. Make a holy hour together. Yes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, did that live up to everything you were hoping it would be, Julia? I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what did I tell you last week? Do you remember when I asked for reading material? Uh, you said you're going to need something because if it was nothing, it would just I said, there would be too much. It'd be too much. I said, give me some guardrails. Guardrails. That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, I will keep going forever. So, yes, that was great, and okay. I hope we get to have more discussions in the future about this nuptial love that our God, who is a lover made us for so anyway okay what i'm saying is i hope this is the beginning (laughs) so if anybody wants to contact julia and talk more about this yeah uh, Uh, just bring one book with you bring uh the song of songs and we'll we'll, we can talk to us or allies we'll go from there all right so (laughs) anyway all right let's cross this guy where you want to go um let's see i was kind of perusing before we got started and we are winding down i don't know there's still there's still two from john See him, John 15 and John 17. You know what? Just throw that dart. Throw that dart. It, it looks like there's only four left. And there's the Our Father and Mass. Oh, the Our the Father. Oh, there's five John then. 15, John Processions. 17. You know, we did perce- I don't think we have time for all these. I know. I was wondering about that. I looked at it the other day, and I'm like, there's only so many weeks. But maybe, I don't think we started, like, right on January 1. Uh, yeah. Um. Um, and when is your when is the year of the Eucharist like officially? January second, the Archbishop of Cincinnati, oh, right. Archbishop Dennis Schnur, comes on January second, celebrating That's... the 10 a.m. Mass at St. Joseph. That's so to awesome. Close the year of the Eucharist. That's so awesome. Shout out to Archbishop Schnur. Shout out. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> you think he's watching this? Uh probably not. But you never know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You never know. Well, maybe we can we can combine a few. So I don't know. Well. Well, know. I think like Eucharistic procession. We already did Corpus Christi, sure. right? And yeah. so maybe we should just maybe we should just cross that cross one that one off. Okay. So how many more weeks do we have then? To how many like this one two maybe three? Anyway, she's looking. I think from here we just let the dart decide. Okay, that sounds good. Or, or we could <laughs> knock architecture off because we did do beauty already. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of similarities just with that. I th- we do that. I, I think you're okay. right there. I think you're right there. You guys agree with that? They agree with that. Yeah, that makes sense. They said. Uh huh. I like that we had more than we needed. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Lord, you know. Uh, Twelve low, you know. That's we right. got some wicker baskets left That's over. Right. Um, never be out the architecture, the though. Just shout out to an interesting book. Okay, how to read churches by Dennis McNamara. Okay, is you know it's fascinating. Mm. So it's just a little like pocket guide mm. uh, about like what different architectural like points and stuff means and styles and all that. Ooh. fascinating. Okay, how to read churches. Okay, all right. So we've got these ones at the bottom, huh? Okay. Ooh, oh, you were so close. So close to hitting something. Boom. John 17. I almost hit it in the middle. I'm so, I continue to be impressed by your dart throwing abilities. Do you practice up here? You come up here like and practice. You're not answering. Okay. Practice. <laughs> Less like your, your aim is normally, especially now because we're getting really down where you have to well, actually. Well, yeah, I'm actually aiming now instead of just mm-hmm. kind of throwing blind. And you know, one hand throws the dart. 
another hand guides it. Got it. That's right. This needs I to. I thought be, you knew that. I did know. I do know that, and I can't wait for that to be in our official like logo, like <laughs> somehow with our. That's our tagline of something. What are you, What are you saying? You can do that. Absolutely, you'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She said, Grace said, we probably should because Father Sean says it every time. So, yeah. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I think that's sufficient. Okay. In the readings we did, there were a couple um, sections where they pulled out um, blessings from from the sacrament of marriage. And there's, they're beautiful. And I'm just going to close with one of those. O God, who to reveal the great design you formed in your love, willed that the love of spouses for each other should foreshadow the covenant you graciously made with your people, so that, by fulfillment of the sacramental sign, the mystical marriage of Christ with his church might become manifest in the union of husband and wife among your faithful. 